Marcheseau slides it around the rim. He's got Eichel, top of the left circle, closing in. He shoots, he scores! Jack Eichel, power play goal! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Locke looks up, taps it back, Zadonov in the middle, he shoots, he scores! Jubilation! Vegas in overtime! Chevrolet, Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Hour number two, rolling right along here on a Friday. I had to check my watch just to make sure that it is a Friday. It's usually game day, non-game day. That's how I tell where we're at within a week. I'm broadcasting live out here, uh, Finley North Volkswagen, 7500 West Azure Drive. Great showroom, one of the biggest uh, dealerships, certainly in this state. And if you're in the market for a vehicle, you're, you're going to want to get down here. Lots of options. I see a ton of them going out for test drives. Like, get down here. Say hello to me. Uh, Darren Millard was on the program today. That marks a milestone, not because Darren was on the program, but because Darren said I was right about the Calgary Flames being an absolute wagon, and I am not going to let him forget that. Not for a long shot, but in all seriousness, it was great to have Darren back on the program, easing him back in. Uh, we're lightening the load, but he will be up to full minutes here very, very soon. It's good that he is now off of LTIR and certainly in the rotation for the VGK Insider Show. But now we turn our attention to the Vegas Golden Knights, what they need to do over the final four games of the season. It's pretty easy. They've got to win. And we will chat now with Ben Go to the Las Vegas Review Journal about that quest for the Golden Knights. So, Ben, um, how are you doing first and foremost? I'm doing well, you know. It's a lovely Friday uh, afternoon, early evening here after, you know, got rained on heading out of Golden Knights <laughs> practice today. So the weather has turned. It's getting to the weekend. That's exciting. I'm ready to enjoy these next couple days before the Knights end their season with a road trip. Uh, so not too bad overall. Okay, so the rain, cloud coverage, doom and gloom, it, it all was in the valley today a around the time that there were reports floated out there. Emily Kaplan, Jesse Granger with The Athletic, both uh, reporting that Robin Leonard would be out for the remainder of the season, and he was electing to have surgery. And then Pete DeBoer was asked after his after practice today and his media availability, uh, if those reports were true, he pushed back, said not to his knowledge, and that he expects Robin not to practice tomorrow and dress for Sunday. So what do you make of a very busy, very intriguing, maybe somewhat confusing morning surrounding the Golden Knights and their goaltending situation? Yeah, it almost feels par for the course at this point, right? Because there has <laughs> been so much that's been going on with the Golden Knights in that position the last couple games or so, where, of course, Robin Leonard starts against New Jersey on Monday. It doesn't go well. The Knights lose. The offense, of course, is also very much at fault for that loss. But afterward, you know, Pete DeVore talks about how he thought Andrew Hammond and the better did better than Robin Leonard that game. But Pete still goes with Robin Leonard Wednesday in a must-win game against the Washington Capitals for at least a period Leonard gives up one goal on 13 shots face 
technically gives up a second goal that's called back for offsides, but that's kind of a four-on-two rush. Not sure you're blaming him for that anyway. But oh, Logan ben, Thompson ben, gets the final ben, 40 minutes. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me tell you, there are people out there that, would, that were blaming that goal on Robin Leonard, even though, A, it didn't exist in the context of the game, and, B, it was a four-on-two rush, and it was three or four passes on the tape directly to a backdoor tap-in there was that sentiment out there. I, I just wanted to let you know I, I heard it uh, on the postgame show that night. Well, that is fair. I guess that that's where we're at. We're sometimes at. But for the most part, I think watching that, it's hard, I'll say, to blame Robin Leonard on that specific goal. But either way, he does go out of the game during that first intermission. He's on the bench with a baseball cap the rest of the way. Logan Thompson goes in. Uh, gets to learn what Alex Ovechkin's shot is like, uh, which I'm sure was a very fun experience for him. But he still got probably the last laugh on both a breakaway attempt with Ovechkin, and of course he gets the win. And so we're once again walking out of that game with lots of goaltending questions, and now we only have more. Uh, as you mentioned, coming out of today, where Robin Leonard is not at practice, Pete DeBoer says it was just a maintenance day in that he's supposed to be back on the ice with the team tomorrow, which certainly creates an interesting uh, flashpoint in making sure that that's what's happening. Uh, Pete DeBoer, you know, also talking about, uh, you know, the fact that obviously, you know, nobody's healthy, he said, but he said, there's nothing physically that is a play issue when it comes to Robin Leonard, who of course has battled injuries a lot of this season, had an upper body injury that caused him to miss significant time, then had a lower body injury on the night's 0-5-0 road trip that caused him to leave early, and he has not performed well since coming back. So there's all sorts of trauma and intrigue and subplots when it comes to uh, what's going on here, and obviously it creates this whole host of questions about you know the night's goaltending situation and what it's going to ultimately end up looking like these final four regular season games, which, by the way, the Knights need to win in order to uh, make sure they make or they avoid missing the playoffs for the first time in franchise history. That's all that's stake here. That's all that's on the line. And so it obviously is going to be uh, so interesting to watch this continue to play out because the Knights have now for quite a while seemingly been on this kind of high-wire act with the most important position in hockey. So let's let's go back to the Washington game here for just a minute because I, I'm curious to get your read on what the more surprising situation was. The fact that Robin Leonard started that game or the fact that Pete DeBoer pulled Robin after the first period and turned to Logan Thompson in a 1-1 tie after Robin made 12 of 13 saves? So to me, it was probably still the poll. Now, I was very surprised about the decision to go with Leonard again, especially because, like I said, Pete DeBoer, after the New Jersey game, um, said, you know, I thought their goaltender was better than ours, which, you know, if you follow Pete DeBoer press conferences, he almost never does anything in any way to kind of denigrate his players in public. That's, like, as close to Pete DeBoer kind of specifically calling out a player as you're going to get. Normally he's very protective of his players, at least in public. The fact that they still started him was surprising, but you could at least see the logic where Pete DeBoer said after the Capitals game, look, like he gets paid to start these games. And so you can certainly be like, okay, well, Leonard 
They pay him to be their number one goaltender. They would obviously like him to be their number one goaltender. And maybe their kind of belief is if we're going to go on a run here, this is the guy that we need in the net. The fact that they came to, you know, that decision that we're going to kind of ride or die with the guy that we came into this year with as our number one goaltender and then went back after a period was the one that was more surprising to me that they didn't stick with their initial decision. Now, like I said, clearly it ended up working out. Logan Thompson came in cold and did very well the rest of the game. But the fact that Leonard got the start and only was allowed to go for 20 minutes was the more surprising part to me. Obviously, I think you can critique that first goal that he gave up, or only goal he gave up, a little bit in terms of he doesn't quite squeeze the pads on Alex Ovechkin's shot. Mm -hmm. But it's still not like the complete, you know, worst goal you've ever seen. It was just interesting that that was kind of what ended up getting him out of the crease. Wasn't great, but it wasn't awful. And he kept, you know, and he didn't get pulled right after the goal either, which is also like if you were spooked by that goal, you could have gotten him right out of there, but instead he stays kind of battles through the rest of that period. And then it's not until intermission that he's ultimately removed from the net. So that's what made that decision more surprising to me. So there's a couple of ways to look at it, right? Like I think the reasoning behind it, saying the team looked rattled after that first goal, obviously the Golden Knights were able to find an answer by virtue of a, a, a puck from Alec Martinez that finds its way uh, past Ilya Samsonov. And then obviously you, you get the offside goal, the, the two on the two to one goal that that's ultimately taken off the board. Um, is it, is it maybe a collection, right? Is it a collection of, or a collective of the third period against New Jersey I don't know that I view that first goal, the the Ovechkin goal that uh, Evgeny Kuznetsov stole from Alex Ovechkin, as as a, a, a categorically bad goal, uh, mainly because there's three Golden Knights in front of Robin Leonard that are crossing through his vision, and no one blocks the puck. Like if you if you're not going to let your goaltender see the puck, you got to block it, right? And and I think that's kind of where I fall on that. But is it is it maybe just a collective of softer leakier goals that, that that led into that decision is it as much about that way the new jersey game ended and the way the washington game started that kind of led into pete's decision no absolutely i definitely think it was a culmination of things one thing that he said today that i thought was very interesting is he talked about how the knights have to have a game seven mentality yeah. the rest of the season and that reminded me almost and maybe that's just because uh i'm probably going to get ready to watch some baseball after this of like a, you know, game seven in a baseball series where the starter is removed after like two innings in a game seven, because the team needs to absolutely win that game. And it can't afford any weakness from any of its pitchers. And so that almost felt like what Pete DeBoer was doing there of like, it was like a starting pitcher that, you know, maybe did okay through the first time through the order, but you know, he wasn't hitting the strike zone, maybe enough. The pitches didn't quite have enough life on them, and so he got the early hook from the bench. Like, based on kind of the, you know, accumulation of what Leonard has looked like since coming back from injury, which is to say he not looked like himself. He has not looked like the guy that the Knights have had in net through most of his tenure here. I can kind of understand the quick hook by Pete DeBoer thinking, we absolutely need to 
win this game. It was still a little bit surprising to me that he get, had the early hook, given that he still felt comfortable enough to start Robin Leonard. And I'm curious how this is obviously going to play out in the crease moving forward. But it does seem that, you know, like with Pete, we're talking about that game seven mentality that he probably is going to be unafraid to make some bold, interesting decisions down the stretch here just because the Knights do pretty much need to win out. And it seems like, they're going to be willing to do whatever they think is necessary to make that a reality. So that being said, it's Logan Thompson on Sunday, right? Like we, we don't need to read too much into that, or am I oversimplifying this? I would say you're not, except I obviously would have said <laughs> probably if I was on this show before the Washington game that it was Logan Thompson there as well. And so I, I don't feel like I'm confident in these predictions anymore, but Certainly, Logan Thompson has done just about everything in his power since being called up to kind of earn the confidence that he can do this. Obviously, gives up a two-goal last game against Capitals. One of them was 110 miles per hour off probably the greatest goal scorer in NHL history's mm-hmm. stick. And the other one was in transition from that same guy. So I don't think you're culping him too much on either one of those. But he clearly, I think, gives you know, this team a sense of calm and confidence that it needs right now. He's been very successful since getting into the crease. I believe he's won uh, six of his last seven games that he's appeared in, so he's on a roll as well. And honestly, at this time of year, that's kind of all that matters. Whatever guy is getting you wins is the guy that you probably have to go with. And right now, that's definitely Logan Thompson with the way he's been playing. Ben Goats from the Las Vegas Review Journal is joining us here on the VGK Insider Show on a Friday with the Golden Knights needing to win out in order to control their own destiny and make the playoffs. Jared Justice, you're up, buddy. So, Ben, you need to crown one of these people either, let's say, a homecoming king or like a prom king. Who is the king of the (laughs) situation we are currently, or the Golden Knights are currently in? As at, like one from one king to another. Oh, thank you. I'm very much flattered about that. Do you want me to name someone on the team yes. a king like the rest of the way? Okay. Well, I mean, you know, someone needs to be a king. Someone needs to be elected. Well, I mean, it's the guy that I think uh, has certainly put his name in the running to be king the rest of the way here is Shea Theodore. I mean, he is having an absolutely fantastic finish to the season so far. I mean, without the way that Chase Theodore has played, especially late in games, we're potentially talking about the Golden Knights being on elimination watch this weekend because already this month, Theodore's got two overtime winners, including obviously Wednesday against the Capitals. He's got that six-on-five goal in Vancouver that forced overtime. Uh, the Knights ultimately lost that game, but that's still an extra point that they picked up. So he has literally delivered the Knights three extra points this month uh, just with his play late in games. So I think it's definitely got to be him. He is on an absolute tear lately. I love the way that he's skating, the love the way that he's putting pressure on opposing teams. And he's tied for second in goals among defensemen this month. He's tearing it up, and I think they need him to continue to be that aggressive, confident player if they're going to have any hope of doing what they need to do to get into the playoffs. You know, Ben, I, I'm I'm intrigued by the fact that you went with Shea Theodore because I, I, I don't 
think I'd push back too hard on that, especially with his recent run of play. But you know, you're talking about a guy that's set career highs and goals and points, and he's tied his career high in assists this year, this season for the Vegas Golden Knights. And yet, I, I think that there's still some idea out there that this has been a down year for Shea Theodore. I, I don't really buy into that. Like, you, you're talking about a guy that is an offensive defenseman, and I know that there are going to be mistakes in his own zone. I live with that because he does what he did at three-on-three, and he's able to dance a guy and score a big-time goal and come up with big moments for this Golden Knights team down the stretch. I don't care if he turns the puck over in his own zone. It's going to happen. It is what it is. What I need from Shea Theodore is what you're getting from him right now. Absolutely. I mean, and like you said, you can absolutely see what he does when he has space, especially in three-on-three, and it's just special. It is just special, the things that he can do in terms of his skating, in terms of his hands, in terms of his kind of skill level and creativity for a defenseman. And he gives the Golden Knights a weapon that a lot of teams just don't have answers for when he's on the way that he's been on Lately, um, like you said, he set you know these career highs. Do I think it's been you know a wire to wire banner season for Shea Theodore? Probably not. Yeah. But I think since Braden McNabb came back from injury, and that kind of coincided with Alec Martinez coming back not too long before that, and the Knights' blue line has kind of rounded into shape. I think he's just clearly been so much more comfortable back on the right side of the blue line because he's playing on the left a lot with. Defenseman Zach Whitecloud, I do think that opens up his offensive game a bit more. And even though I think Zach Whitecloud is a tremendous player in his own right, Braden McNabb is just a guy that Shea Theodore is clearly comfortable with and confident in that if I go, you know, hop up in the play to try to make something happen, I know I've got a rock-solid guy back there that can take care of things and potentially shut down any sort of play either in the neutral zone or high in the defensive zone so that we can take care of our own end as well if I'm being aggressive. And I think all those things have kind of combined to make Shea Theodore a really dangerous player down the stretch here where I think his game has found another level here lately, especially when it comes to the goal-scoring department. And sometimes it's just how it goes. You just get hot at a good time. But he has been hot at the absolute right time for the Golden Knights, and I think he's definitely going to be one of their most important players down the stretch. One of the other important players for the Golden Knights, certainly over the last 12 games or so, 10 games, really since the trade deadline, has been Evgeny Dodonov. If if that trade goes through, where are the Golden Knights now? Probably not still in the mix, right? At least it feels like that because he's had some really impressive games and just the goal scoring has just popped right back up. I mean, you could absolutely tell that last game against the Capitals, that early third period goal where he gets the puck to squeak under Ilya Sansonov's uh, arm was just so crucial for that team's confidence where immediately the bench gets lifted, the crowd gets back into it, and then all of a sudden the Knights start playing much better. They draw the penalty, they get the power play goal to go ahead, and that's enough to at least get the game to overtime. Um, I think it's been very impressive to see his game kind of transform, get jump-started a little bit by that failed trade. Obviously, he played very well the next time out against Nashville, had that overtime winner against Chicago, which rescued a crucial point 
for the Golden Knights. But, you know, they need secondary scoring right now with obviously Riley Smith still out of the lineup, Mark Stone working his way back into kind of clearly kind of full um, comfortability there. Mark Stone still trying to find his game. You can tell Max Pacioretty similarly, though I do think Pacioretty was absolutely outstanding last game just in terms of how much he was trying to create offense and being noticeable. But with those guys, you know, coming off of injuries, Donoff, the guy that the Knights have needed to produce for them, and he's really started to do that. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're you're right on the money there, uh, Ben. I, you look at the trade for Evgeny Dodonov and and understanding that uh, if you would have if you would have told me at the beginning of the year you're getting 20 goals out of the guy, like okay, I'll I'll live with that. I think that that works, especially if you're getting 20 goals out of Evgeny Dodonov and everyone's healthy. He's had to take on a, a larger role than I think a lot anticipated he'd have to take on this year. Um, and to me, I, I think he's performed, especially since the trade deadline, the way the Golden Knights needed him to perform at, at a key period of time. Now, um, I want to get into Sunday against the San Jose Sharks because this is a... <laughs> I, I struggle to use the word trap game because the Golden Knights are our understanding of, of what's on the line, and I don't think that you're ever going to take an opponent lightly when you have to win out in order to control your own fate and make the playoffs. But the fact of the matter is, this is a team that the Golden Knights have owned over the last two years. It's human nature to take San Jose lightly. Are, are you uneasy about this game at all from the Golden Knights' perspective? I am, for a couple reasons that... You kind of hinted at there. One, I think San Jose is absolutely going to be completely motivated for this game. You know that there are guys in that Sharks locker room that are going to basically, you know, look at this as kind of, you know, I don't know, Stanley Cup might be overselling it a little bit, but this is kind of the probably last game that they have circled on their calendar the rest of the season. If we want to take it to the ninth, we want to be the ones that end their season. So you're going to have a motivated team on the other side, I think, for one, where there are some other teams that are clearly kind of playing out the string at this point because they're out of the playoff race. The other thing that intrigues me about the Sharks is that they actually, they've been losing a lot, and I mean a lot, a lot lately. But they've been in a lot of games against good teams. They lost one nothing to Nashville in overtime this month. They lost by one to the Stars. They lost by uh, they lost to Minnesota in Minnesota in overtime. And even uh, just last night, they were in a game with the St. Louis Blues until pretty late. It's not like the Sharks have, even though they've been piling up the losses, they haven't been getting like blown out like we've seen teams like Arizona, like we've seen teams like Detroit get. They've been playing some of these really good teams tight. They've obviously got a new goaltender in Capo Kakinen, who I think has performed pretty well for them since he got traded from Minnesota for defenseman Jake Middleton. He's got a 9.15 save percentage, which is better than they've seen for quite some time, I think, in San Jose. So I don't think they're necessarily like a pushover, free space kind of team. And so the Knights are going to have to lock in at least a little bit and not think too far ahead to that Dallas game on Tuesday, which because the stars lost to Calgary last night becomes so, so important. And Jonathan Marcheseau even said today that that's probably going to be the most important game of the rest of their season. You can't be thinking too far ahead to Dallas 
I think, and overlook San Jose just because they've been doing enough well lately, and I think they'll be hyped up enough that they can make it a contest. Ben Goats joining us here on the VGK Insider Show. Final question for Jared Justice, then I'm going to do some rapid fire with you, Ben. Jared, go ahead. What? All right, so actually, no, 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 I got a better one. All right, I'm going with this one. I'm going with this one. Ben, I'm going with this one. Okay, so um, Max Crosby is a defensive end for the Raiders. He is going to do an interview uh, with a journalist. Well, I wouldn't say journalist, a TV host. While both of them get a tattoo, hmm. what golden knight are you willing to get an act like willing to do an activity with in order for you to get a scoop? So, could it be any activity? I'm not a tattoo guy, but I would do a lot of things, you know, skydiving. <laughs> skydiving? I have skydived. Oh, uh, no, all right, all right, all right. Uh, triple I will say, black I will diamond. Give you one of my dream like story ideas that I will. Do hopefully at some point post COVID, I would like to go fishing with William Carrier mm. and just kind of experience what a day on no, a boat no. is like with that gentleman because I find him fascinating. I know he's got a million fishing stories. I've talked uh, through some of them with him. I know he goes to like Alaska. I know he's gone like deep sea fishing. Like he's got some very interesting hobbies. And then of course we can also talk about the fact that he helped build his own house as well. So I think he's kind of an underrated one where if we're out on the water, if we're fishing, that's a good activity. And then there's enough like depth there that I think that could be a very fascinating. And I, I need you to go polar bear plunge with somebody. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not talking like in a wetsuit. Like yeah, I need no, you to like, strip down and run into the look, water. I'm from Minnesota. We don't need wetsuits there. It's just what you do. It's called See, January. that's what you do. What you need to do is you need to go up to, I don't know, like Logan Thompson be like, hey, man, you want to run naked into this lake? There you go. Oh, now boy. you got a story. Now I'm going to read the paper. I'm concerned that I would be the subject of this story <laughs> and not Logan Thompson. Uh, local reporter stripped <laughs> in middle of open lake. I don't, I don't know if I want to be a part of that story. Oh, man, that's good. I, I would love, Ben, for you to like do Max Pacioretty's intermission routine, right, where – where he jumps in the ice bath and, and goes through all the things. Like, I, I think that'd be an interesting angle on it. Uh, ben, you're a smart man. You, you famously did not take the bait that uh, Jared Justice was throwing your way. It could have been a really intriguing and, and fun answer, and instead you, you turned it into um, an answer that makes a whole heck of a lot of sense. So good on you, Ben, for not falling for uh, Jared. But Take off your pants, Ben. Okay. Um, Here's here's what I want to do, Ben. This is not Golden Knight specific. I'm going to open it up to the league in general, and I've got some rapid-fire questions for you. I'm going to start with this one because I know you're a Minnesota guy. Is Kirill Kaprizov the best Minnesota Wild player ever? Probably, yeah. I think it's only <laughs> taken two seasons for that to be probably true. Like, Mary Gabrick was great. Um, don't get me wrong. He's an incredible hockey player. But the way that, like... Uh, Kirill Kaprizov has made, like, for lack of a better phrase, the Minnesota Wild cool again. Yeah. Is, like, spectacular. Like, they went from being, you know, the most, like, middle of the road flyover kind of franchise just in the Parisi Suter era where they were just a first round exit every year to now, like, 
you know, if there's nothing, I don't have like a game that I want to watch. I'm like, oh, let's see what, you know, Kirill and the boys can get up to tonight. And it almost always delivers. It's crazy. So I, I think he's already got that 97 tag for the top XL Energy Center. I really do. Yeah, that's the only answer. Um, I, I've asked quite a few uh, journalists in town that question, and I, I think that there's some like hesitancy to just be that bold in proclaiming Kirill Kaprizov as the best Minnesota Wild to ever play the game. Uh, but I don't think it's that hard. Like he's, he's phenomenal. He's single-handedly come into that franchise and made them fun for literally the first time ever. So um, good on Kirill Kaprizov. Uh, I'm not going to ask you about Minnesota Wild goaltending because that's something that will take care of itself, I'm sure, in a very, very uh, nicely packaged way in the playoffs. But I, I do want to ask you a question about the Hart Trophy. What's your top three looking like right now for the Hart and why? Oh, that's a very good question because I just found out that I was getting an awards ballot today. So hey! this will be fun for me to kind of through in real time. I mean, Austin Matthews, I think, has got to be Dibs the number helping. one guy. Yes. Not only is he potentially going to be a 60-goal scorer, he's awesome defensively, which I feel like does not probably get talked about <laughs> enough. So I not love Austin Matthews. I think he's probably going to be the number one guy there. Uh, then I'm going to be really curious to break this down because it's always a forward award. And I'm always been very confused about that from the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know how you don't look at a guy like Roman Yossi, who has just been so, so incredible for the Nashville predators and helped carry a team that I certainly didn't think uh, coming into the year was going to make much noise in terms of competing for a postseason berth. And they might get in at this point relatively easily slash comfortably He's playing over 25 minutes a night. He's scoring uh, at above a point-per-game pace. I think I'm going to have him high on the ballot. And then just when I thought like Igor Shosturkin was potentially going to uh, cool off mm-hmm. for the New York Rangers in net, uh, he has come back with a vengeance lately, and he's got a goals against average that is like you know just a couple tweaks away from starting with a one in over 50 games started. Yeah. So I think I'm going to have to have him eye up there too because I think he deserves so much credit for the success that team has had. So off the top of my head, I think those might be uh, my top three, but I am really excited to dive into this. Well, I think there is a clear top one. I think there is a lot of intrigue in those other spots and an opportunity to get a little bit creative with it too and not just kind of go with, you know, the number one, number two, and number three highest scoring forwards of the year. Ben, do you ever go to your accent ever again? Oh, don't you know? Sometimes yeah, I got to go there. All right. That's accent. what I'm talking about. Oh, boy. Uh, ben, you're you're the most forward-thinking um, guest on our show, and, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> why did he um, do that? Uh you're the most forward-thinking guest on our show because you didn't immediately say Jonathan Huberdeau and Connor McDavid. Like, thank you so much for not just defaulting to what everybody defaults to when it comes to the Hart Trophy. Um, there's a there's a there's a, an award for the best player or the most outstanding player. Uh, it's not the Hart Trophy. So, Ben, like you, you always have an opportunity to come on this show every single time because you did not fall into the trap of believing that Jonathan Huberdeau is a Hart Trophy finalist. 
look, he's a very, very good player. But I'm not sure he's the best player on his own team, question yes. mark? Yes. Like, you've, got, you've got Barkov on there as well, who I think is like an incredible two-way center. And I don't want to take anything away from Jonathan Huberto. Alan Walsh, please do not come at me on Twitter like you've done to certain other journalists. I think your client is very, very good. Um, but just in terms of, like the best of the best in the NHL this year, like I said, I just think there have been some good performances from position groups that aren't normally considered, and I think this might be the year that they give some love. All right, Ben. Uh, once again, more than generous with your time here. Thank you. Uh, we cannot thank you enough for jumping on here, especially late notice as uh, Chris Chapman was a late scratch on the program. Ben Ghost, Las Vegas Review Journal. Ben, what are you working on right now, and where, where can people find your stuff? Yeah, obviously you can always check out uh, my work, my colleague David Shane's work at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, of course, Dave got the lovely assignment of handling all the goalie news that we talked about today. So this story, uh, if it's not up now, will be up uh, soon. And I got the more uh, enjoyable task of just doing the latest update on the playoff race because, as I said, uh, Calgary winning last night opened the door for the Golden Knights. So, you know, talk to uh Braden McNabb, Jonathan Marceau about that. Got the inside scoop uh, from Marceau about how he watched uh, that game last night. And so uh, that'll be all up uh, on our website, I believe, already if people want to check that out. All right, great stuff as always. Go give Ben Goats a follow on Twitter if you don't already and certainly check out his stuff on the Las Vegas Review Journal website. Take him fishing. Just yeah, if, you, him. if you meet him in public, just be like, hey, we're going fishing. Yeah, exactly. If you see Ben on town just hand him a fishing pole he'll know what to do believe me thanks Absolutely. a lot ben. thank you ben that's <laughs> ben no goats with the las vegas appreciate it ben goats with the las vegas review journal helping us as we go through another day closer to the end of the season and an opportunity for the golden knights to win out and make the playoffs it's all on the horizon we're back with one timers a slant to one timers today but one timers is next on the vgk insider show maybe a two-on-one petrangelo gets it he shoots he scores it's time for one timers one timers short-handed goal alex petrangelo quick looks at some of the biggest stories today on the vgk insider show one timers brought to you by paul powell more lawyers less fee it's our daily look around the league news and notes but we're going to change it up here because Jared Justice was a late addition to the lineup. Chris Chapman, a late scratch to the lineup. And so we're going to go in a different direction. Jared Justice is going to ask me questions. That's going to be one-timers today. So, Jared, take it away, buddy. All right. So the first question is, what was your, oh, God, that's Alex Ovechkin moment? <laughs> um Okay, so this is an interesting one because it, it's not anything that he had done early on in his career. It wasn't anything that happened with Alex Ovechkin while he was coming up and the battles between he and Sidney Crosby. I mean, there was the dueling hat trick game between Crosby and Ovechkin in the playoffs. That was one of the most fascinating games to watch as a fan uh, that I can remember uh, in my lifetime. But it was actually during the Stanley Cup final between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Washington Capitals. Washington lost game one in Vegas to open up the Stanley Cup final. And I was covering that final for the radio station, for Lotus Broadcasting, Fox Sports. And my job year one was 
locker room correspondent. So I got to go into the locker rooms. I got to ask questions. It, it was when locker rooms were obviously open. And because I was a fan of hockey prior to the Golden Knights existing, I was fairly comfortable in a opposition locker room. I knew the players. I understood kind of the structure of, of who to talk to, when to talk to certain players, all that kind of stuff. So I was the opposition locker room correspondent. And I remember getting down into the locker room really early after that first loss of the Stanley Cup play, uh, Stanley Cup final by the Washington Capitals. And I'm in the room, and it's the first time I had ever been in a room with Alex Ovechkin. And he was in front of me. It was almost nose to nose. And it was the first time I had ever been in the presence of Ovechkin. And I just sat back and said, oh, my goodness, this guy is an absolute mountain. Like, <laughs> there's no doing justice how big Alex Ovechkin is and how much, like, that that charisma and persona kind of follows him around. And, like, listen, I, I get kind of the magnitude of, of Alex Ovechkin, his ties to Vladimir Putin, what's going on in the world. Like, this is a, 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 a sensitive uh, time to, to kind of not – not at least bring that up and, and, and put that all under the under the veil, but there was a moment at the end of the press conference clear that Ovechkin didn't want to be there. He was pissed off and angry that his team lost, and he brushed by me as he was done with the interview, and my shoulder hurt for three days. Like Alex, <laughs> you Ovechkin, felt wind shear. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was bad. Like I mean, it, it speaks to the condition that I'm in for sure. But my but my oh my gosh, that's Alex Ovechkin moment happened after the Capitals lost game one of the Stanley Cup final in a locker room with Ovechkin for the first time, face-to-face -face with him, asking him questions about what it felt, to, felt like to lose game one of the Stanley Cup final for the first time in his career, and then getting, getting the ice-cold stare and then the, the accidental shoulder shove. Um, that was my moment for sure. You're just happy he didn't say, I will eat you. Um Oh, I was intimidated. Like, make no mistake, that was one of the most scared, like, scared moments of my life covering, covering hockey. Like, he's, he's an absolute cyborg. It's ridiculous. All right. Uh, Steven Stamkos did something pretty cool. Uh, you, you talk about it, hockey guy. You can't uh, have hockey guy in your name and not just be like, hey, I'm going to throw out a name. You talk about it, hockey guy. Yeah, so, I mean, big accomplishment uh, for Steven Stamkos by way of a power play goal last night. He passed Martin Saint-Louis for the Tampa Bay Lightning franchise points lead with 954 points. Uh, to understand why that's so important uh, for Steven Stamkos, you're talking about a kid that was drafted at 18 years old, brought into an organization where he needed to be the next wave he needed to be the next part of the core to move that team that had won a stanley cup with san louis and vincent lecavalier um back into the, the the place where they wanted to be and you know now as you look back on it stamkos had a rough first start to his career there was conditioning working with gary roberts getting his body set ready to go for the rigors of an 82 game schedule um, there were setbacks with injury early on in his career as well but the fact of the matter is, Steven Stamkos is now a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He's now the franchise leader in Tampa Bay Lightning history. And I think that there's a real argument with due respect to Vincent LeCavalier and Martin St. Louis and what they did for that, uh, that organization. 
I think there's an argument for Steven Stamkos as being the best Tampa Bay Lightning to ever play for that organization. There are a ton of really intriguing names there, but when you look at the body of work for Steven Stamkos and how consistent he's been since he he got the conditioning down and, and since he has really matured as a player, um, I, I'm here for the argument for Steven Stamkos all day long. All right, we got two options real quick. We got about a minute left. We can either go to the next topic or we can go to break. It's your call. You're the boss. Um, that'll do it for the one-timers. Let's, ah, let's, let's, yeah! let's, let's end here. One-timers, again, brought to you by Paul Powell. More lawyers, less fee for Friday, April 22nd. And we're back with one other topic from the mind of Jared. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Darren Millard joined the show earlier, but it is Jared Justice and Ryan, the hockey guy, the hockey guy that you can just literally yell a name of a hockey player to, and he'll be like, all right, yeah, I got three minutes on him. <laughs> Ryan, this uh, is supposed to be catching up with Chapman, but unfortunately you have to catch up with me. Yeah. Um, I played literally this song because I know you love it. I'll take it. It's perfect. But uh, all right. So let me ask you a question. Would you pay $14,000 uh -huh. to go to a <laughs> college arena to yep. see an NHL game? Uh, so, okay. There's a couple of, <laughs> there's a couple of different angles to look at this. Um, it would be a very intimate setting. And so like, <laughs> when you, you literally found the nicest way to put that, that's when you, very good. When you factor in that the, the Arizona Coyotes affiliate, the, the Tucson Roadrunners are, are in a building that has a, a greater capacity than the NHL club. <laughs> um, it becomes intriguing in that like there would be some games not like I wouldn't pay for season tickets. Like I, I'm, I'll, I'll just say it right now. Like 15 grand to go to a college arena to watch NHL games. Like I, I, there's, there's not, there's not an appetite for that. I think, and it's, it's a model that you know I, I would imagine that the NHL Gary Bettman, uh, when they crunch the numbers, are like, oh well, if we hit capacity at these numbers, then it, it'll all make sense. But the fact of the matter is, you've got to hit capacity I, with with that pricing. I, I don't I don't see that happening. Uh, but that being said, like it would be a unique experience to be able to go to a game in that arena and see the likes of Austin Matthews up close, the likes of Alex Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby, and you don't know how many more opportunities I think you're going to get to see those players um, when they're still producing at an elite clip. So um, the ability to be in a smaller venue, a more intimate venue, to see some of the game's best players, Connor McDavid, up close and personal, that would be really, really cool, but not at the prices. <laughs> like, I, as, as, as much as I, I, like, I don't want to pile on here with the Arizona Coyotes, the, the oh, fact I do. of the matter is... I do. Come on, man. This is the VGK Insider Show. Yeah, Come like, on. It's it's just it's 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 too much money and and I think that you know the hope is is that there's an appetite for it there and we'll, grand for center time, ice club seats time will tell but um, I I I think it's the only way that it was viable right and, and that's what the NHL needs they need the Coyotes to sell at these price points and the, the question becomes is that something that they can actually do uh, time will tell on that one but the the prices when they came out initially were. Uh, staggering to say the least but if you're asking me season tickets no 
individual games with certain players coming into town? Yeah, probably. And I think only because the atmosphere would be so unique in the NHL. Okay, real quick. We got we got about 30 seconds left. You have to fight one of them. Okay. A goalie or a coach? Whew, um, I I would fight a goalie. And, and the only reason that I'd fight a goalie yeah. is uh, because the, the optics of a goalie fight are just awesome in so many in so many respects so I, I would certainly fight a goalie maybe we'll expand on this another time the Golden Knights take on San Jose on Sunday I'm on the I'm on the pregame show at six o'clock I'll talk to you then